Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, New City, so excited that you're joining us today. My name is Jean Carlos. I use he, him pronouns. And we are a continuing and ongoing series called Revelation Reclaimed. We're looking at the book of Revelation and seeing what God may have for you and for me in it. And today we're talking about something really special. We're talking about the environment. We're talking about the earth and the empire, right? The ongoing conflict, struggle, tension between the planet and the powerful. And as we dive into this, we just got to confess. We just got to acknowledge that the earth and the empire have very different agendas. The earth and the empire have very different goals. Um, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament comes from Jesus, and he, he shares as uh, the incarnation of God, as the one who made heaven and earth, he shares what his agenda is, what his goal is, what, it, what he came here to do. He says, I've come that you may have life and life abundantly. Right At the core of God, at the core of Jesus, at the core of the kingdom, is this desire for life and more life, right? Earth, uh, everything in all of creation has this desire for life and more life, flourishing, thriving, uh, living, right? Um, we, we, we actually, the, the image that we have, the picture that we have of the world as it was intended to be is, in Genesis, a garden. Um, what about the empire? What's the empire's goal? What's the empire's agenda? Well, if we believe Jesus, he says that the enemy is here to steal, to kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. And as we look at that, we see that that's a very different approach to life than the earth. That's a very different approach to life than God. Because God sees life as the goal and the end and the purpose, right? And, and the enjoyment of that life and that glory. But the empire sees life as a means to something very different. Killing, stealing, and destroying are just other words for extraction. From looking at the earth and living things, looking at the environment, looking at people, and seeing them not as uh, image of God carriers, or no, as things to extract from. So that you can have more power, more glory, more money, more resources, more control. The goals of the empire and the earth could not be more different. But before I talk uh, about how we are part of the earth, we're not just in it, we are the earth. Like we're, we're not just located on the earth, like we belong to the earth, like we have a connection to the earth, we're one with the earth, right? The success of the earth is our success, its, uh, its failure is our failure, its danger is our danger, its future is our future. We are connected. Before we dive into our part in the earth, I want to I want us to put our like uh, imaginations on and just uh, ask the question of how does the empire destroy an entire planet? How do you like if you were in the empire just for a moment? If you were if you were like on staff at the empire, you you were like an executive at the empire, right? Um, and your task is to destroy a planet. How do you do that? Because A, a planet is really, really big. I don't know if you've noticed. Like there are mountains and there are oceans and there are continents and there are countries and there are cultures. How do you destroy something that big? But outside of just a logistical question, like 
everything that God has made has this desire for life and more life. Like bonobos, humans, um, pine trees, like everything that God has made, right? Even ecosystems as a whole has have this desire for life and more life, to survive, to thrive, um, right? To keep going. How do you go against that? How do you get away with destroying that? Because when I think of an empire destroying a planet, I immediately, I'm a nerd, I apologize. Uh, I immediately think of the Death Star, right? But here's what I need you to understand about the empire, is that the empire strategy for destroying the planet is not a Death Star. Right now, truthfully, I'll be clear, like if they had the resources, I think there's like a website out there that says how many Earths would be necessary to create one Death Star. And it's like 3000 Earths or something silly like that. Uh, I'm sure that the Empire, if they could actually get a Death Star, they would they would get that on Amazon, but they can't. The actual strategy of the Empire isn't a Death Star because the actual strategy of the Empire is not a direct attack to life. Oh, well, why do I say that? Why is it important? Because if a Death Star showed up, if like a mini Death Star showed up near our atmosphere, right? <laughs> like we would do everything in our power to destroy it, right? Like if, if, if a if Death Star attacked our atmosphere, so that we couldn't breathe the air or it destroyed the ozone. Like we would do everything we could to stop it. We would set every nuke, like we would be besties, like with every country and nation, we would be on the same page, right? If, if, if a, a spaceship attacked our water supply so that we couldn't drink water, we would do everything we can to stop it. No one in Congress would be like, guys, but do we have the money? But guys, is there like, is this in the, like, I know this, I know the Death Star is there, but like, like, how will this affect the stock market? No one would be asking those questions. No one would be asking, can we work with that country or can we not work with, no one would be asking those questions because when a Death Star shows up, we protect what we're a part of. And we, we would not, we would do everything in our power to stop that. What's interesting though, is that the empire does all of those things every day, all the time, and we don't stop it, right? The empire is constantly attacking our air, constantly attacking our food supply, constantly uh, attacking the waters, constantly attacking the planet. Why is it that we would immediately do everything we can, spend all the money possible, like move heaven and earth to uh, defend against a Death Star, but we don't do the same with the empire? And that's because of this. I believe that we protect what we are part of. Do you know what you're a part of? We protect what we're a part of. Do you know what you're a part of? You see, at the core of the empire strategy is not a direct attack. It's not a Death Star. At the core of the empire strategy for destruction is disconnection, right? The empire knows that it cannot destroy or extract from something before disconnecting you from it. Right? And so we see this in all across our community. We see this all across some of the messages we've talked. The empire disconnecting us from our bodies so that it can use our bodies for labor and resource and uh, for its own control. Right, Disconnecting from ourselves so that we can be more submissive, more obedient. We can just go with the flow. Right, Disconnect us from our communities. Disconnect us from our culture. Disconnect us, in particularly for this message, disconnect us from the earth itself. Because we would never, <laughs> we would never allow a Death Star to attack our air, our water, our soil. But we let the Empire do that every day. 
The empire does that not through a direct attack, but through disconnecting us from what we're a part of. We protect what we're a part of. Do you know what you're a part of? Um, I see this in my own life. Um, I had a small vision for what I was a part of. I had a small vision for what the kingdom of God meant. Uh, when I got uh, saved at a Baptist church, when I was like eight or nine, uh, all I knew, all I understood of the kingdom of God, all I understood of what God was doing on the earth is, it's really simple, um, is that God loves me right? That, that was it. <laughs> it was like, God loves me. And honestly, like, if I could give that to some of the people in the world, I would. God does love you. God does love me. And that was good. And that was true. And that was not the whole story. And following Jesus meant a bigger kingdom, a bigger vision for what I was a part of. And I realized God loves others. He cares about their journeys and their stories and their lives, right? He cares about their freedom and their liberation. And that's amazing and that's good and that's true and that's not the whole story because at the core the way that i saw the world the way that i saw the kingdom of god was god intersecting with individuals right me other people me other people and that's it like i'll be honest with you i i, I this is a metaphor but this is really the way i saw it if heaven had a dashboard for how the world was doing the dashboard would be like six billion dots, six billion circles at the time. And uh, if someone had a relationship with God, someone knew God, prayed, read their Bible, went to church, had the same theological framework as me, if someone did that, they would be green, right? We would have a green dot on the dashboard of heaven, right? Of the kingdom of God. Um, and if they didn't, it would be a red dot. And the way I saw the world was, uh, the way I saw the kingdom was the entire work of God was just turning as many red dots into green dots. Turning as many people who didn't know God into people who did know God. And that's it. And in that season of my life, I didn't care about the planet. I didn't care about things going on in society. I didn't care about politics. I didn't care about social movements. I didn't care because none of those things were about turning dots green. <laughs> Like, I, I, I only could think of what I was a part of. We protect what we're a part of. And if what I'm a part of is a kingdom that is abstract and spiritual and somewhere else, then I'm going to protect things that are abstract, spiritual, and somewhere else. We protect what we're a part of. And at that time, I could only see the kingdom of God as God-loving individuals. And then... I kept following Jesus and I, I grew in my faith and I had other experiences and I met more people and I recognized that God didn't just love me. He didn't just love others. God loved communities, right? God didn't just love Jean. He loved the poor. He loved the oppressed. He loved the marginalized, right? He didn't just love Fabo. He loved Ecuador. He loved the immigrant. He loved the stranger, right? Like God had a love for communities. And we see this in the Old Testament. God loved Israel. Not because Israel was the only people God loved. No, no, no. But that the love that God had for that specific group of people, that specific culture, ethnicity, religion, because of God's love for that example of people, we would know God's love for every single community of people. Because God doesn't just love individuals. He loves communities. And that helped me grow, right? Helped me see God didn't just love me. He loved queer people, right? God didn't just love me. He cared about communities of color. And therefore, he cared about their struggles. And he cared about the things they were dealing with. And he cared about the empire that was on uh, that was putting a knee on their throat, right? He cared about 
us together. And, and that was really important for me. It was an expansion of my faith. That was an expansion of what the kingdom of God was. And that was good. And that was true. And that was not the whole story. And as I kept growing in my faith, I started realizing God doesn't just love me or others. He doesn't just love communities. Well, God, she loves everything her hands have made. God, she loves everything she's spoken into existence. God loves all of creation, right? And you start seeing this in scripture. Like it was there the whole time. It was there all along. We just woke up to it. Because in scripture, there's this understanding that the glory of God covers the earth, right? There's this understanding that the heavens show us who God is, that the, the sky, literally the sky, is telling us of God's handiwork, that, that the trees and the animals and the waters are all a part of this thing that God created and God sustains and God loves. And so I had to go from just God-loving individuals to God-loving communities to God-loving all things that she has made, all of creation. The earth matters. The earth doesn't matter just to me. The earth matters to God. And having a theological framework for that is so important because we protect what we're a part of. And so if I think I'm a part of a tiny, tiny, tiny little kingdom, I'll protect that when the entire earth is on fire. Uh, I'll protect that when the entire earth is suffering, right? I will, like, I remember, you know, in, in 10th grade college biology, like, I remember, like, being the guy as a Christian who uh, had to talk a lot, I had to, like, argue against evolution, you know, like that was me. I was like going to call I was going to that biology class. And every time we talked about evolution, I'd raise a question and I would argue against it. Because why? I like, like we can kind of laugh. Imagine watching 10th grade John, like debating the theory of evolution because he was a young earth creationist at the time. Like, that's kind of funny. But like, why was I doing that? It's not because I was stupid. It's not because I was bad. It's because I was protecting what I was a part of right? I was protecting my understanding of a very, very small kingdom, which was abstract and spiritual and somewhere else. But no, the kingdom of God is here and it's earthy and it's, and it's sappy. Like, you know, when you put your, yeah, it's like, it's sticky, it's messy, it's, it's here, it's tangible, it's physical. The kingdom of God is here. I, um, I remember just having kind of a, as I started growing and changing, I like to think of this parable of imagine a future, imagine a future in a thousand years, right? And this is supposed to be the perfect world, the, the most amazing world. This is the, 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 the vision, the fulfillment of everything that God wants for the planet, um, what God wants for, for us. And in this world, there's two things that are true. Um, the first is everybody believes in God. Everybody reads their Bible. Everybody prays. Everybody has the same theological framework as you do, let's say. Everybody gets it, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, in the sense of like, they, they have a relationship with their creator. That's the first condition, right? Um, and to be clear, before I get to the second condition, I just want to acknowledge that's not all bad. There would be some improvements to the world if more people knew that God loved them, that more people knew that God loved others, that more people knew that God loved individuals. I'm sure there would be some improvements in things. <laughs> right? I want, uh, the, the, it's not just bad, right? Well, the second condition to this perfect, beautiful, amazing world is the entire planet is dead, okay? 
Um, you can't go outside anymore. To go outside, you would need a suit, hazmat, like a mask. You would, you would have to like cover yourself completely because the air is so toxic. Um, and in this world, we we like the water has been so polluted that before it can go to you, it has to be deeply, deeply purified. And uh, because of some of the climate change that we have, there isn't as much fresh water. And so now for you to buy water in this perfect, beautiful, amazing world, um, it costs like $87 a gallon, which means not only is there a huge gap between the poor and the rich, now there is an even deeper gap where people uh, that don't have, make enough money to pay for the water they need to live have to either die or go into some form of slave, uh, slavery. Um, and, 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 th and th they need that just to be able to like drink water. And, uh, uh, the, the, the nice thing though about this, this, this beautiful place is that, um, at least the air is like affordable. You still gotta buy it, but it's affordable. But the problem is that affordable air is usually still deeply polluted. You have to make a lot of money to have air that isn't deeply polluted. And so a lot of people, a lot of communities of color in this world, like literally have their babies, their children born with diseases because they can't breathe the air effectively. Um, there are no animals. And if you're really, really rich, yep, there is like these cute little conservatories you can go to and life is pretty much the same for you outside of not being able to go outside. Um, but the earth is dead. And further, it's so dead. It's so dead that like, if you have enough money, you like will fly to the moon. Like there's a moon base and it's like a little easier. There's no gravity, but it's a little easier than earth. But everybody's a Christian. We did it, guys! Yes! Mission accomplished! The whole world believes in God! We did it! We, we made it to the perfect world, right? Everybody is a Christian. Everybody believes whatever we believe. Is that, is that an earth full of God's glory? Is that, is that uh, a planet singing God's praises? Is that, is that the realization of everything that God wants? Is that, is that life and more life? No, <laughs> because the work of God doesn't just include humanity. Uh, the work of God includes restoring all things. And the work of God is not simply about getting people to accept a spirituality. While that may be included in the work of God, um, a planet that is dead, full of Christians, looks nothing like the kingdom of God that you and I want to be a part of and that God wants to create. But it's not just me that sometimes uh, is disconnected uh, from my understanding of what I'm a part of, disconnected from the earth, disconnected from my body, disconnected from my culture, disconnected from my community. I think we as a as community, but we as uh, as a country struggle with that like there are people and this is just common this isn't normal this is i'm not telling you anything new uh there are people who care more about the economy um who feel like they belong to or are part of the u.s economy more than they are the planet um that feel like they are part of or committed to the, their company and the success of the company than the planet they're on right um that are more committed to more closely connected to more belonging in their political party than they are the planet itself. And this is not just like a liberal conservative thing. We can disconnect from the environment. We can disconnect from the earth 
But the thing with that disconnection is that it's an illusion. And hopefully I want to look today at a passage of scripture that helps us break out of this illusion and help us realize that we are part of something much bigger and better and greater than we previously thought. And so we're looking at Revelation 11 and we're seeing um, in verse 15 the culmination of the seven trumpets, right? This is the final trumpet. So whatever this is, is a culmination of a lot of the stuff we've been reading about in Revelation. And this is this. The seventh angel trumpeted. It's from the message translation. In a crescendo of voices in heaven sang out, the kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of our God and his Messiah. His rule, he will rule forever and ever. The 24 elders seated before God on the throne fell on their knees, worshiped, saying, We thank you, O God, Sovereign strong, who is and who was, you took your great power and took over, reigned. The angry nations now get a taste of your anger. The time has come to judge the dead, to reward your servants, all prophets and saints, reward small and great who fear your name, and destroy the destroyers of the earth. There's a lot here. <laughs> we got, I want to start with the first thing. The kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of our God. This is the beginning of a declaration. This is the beginning of a song. And the first thing that God wants us to know is that this world, this land, this earth is now the kingdom of God. There's no, it's not different. The kingdom of God is not spiritual abstract somewhere else. The kingdom of God from the teachings of Jesus to the end of the book of Revelation is about the kingdom of God being here, being now. Right, And I think part of the reason why Christians at times don't care about the environment is because they think the, Christ, the, the kingdom of heaven is somewhere else. No, the kingdom of heaven is not like somewhere in the sky. It's not a different dimension. It's not somewhere else. The whole purpose of this book is to help us realize that God isn't getting us on a spaceship to go somewhere else. He's coming back and restoring all things. The kingdom of God is not there. The kingdom of God is here. And therefore, it includes the Mississippi. And therefore, it includes Cedar Avenue. And therefore, it includes the Boundary Waters. And therefore, it includes the Stone Arch Bridge. And therefore, it includes the Galapagos. And therefore, it includes the Amazon. It includes, it's here. And so, what you're a part of is the earth. But if you follow Jesus, what you're a part of is this kingdom of God, which doesn't just include everyone. It includes everything. Jesus did not just come to make everyone a Christian on a dead planet. He came to make all things new. I have a favorite author who likes to say that um, in the Greek, all things actually means all things. <laughs> like like it, it, isn't, it, it isn't just uh, a metaphor. It's a statement about how God's work includes the environment, the earth, the water, the air, the soil, the food, the animals, the atmosphere. The kingdom of God is here. We protect what we're a part of. Do we protect here? We protect what we're a part of. Do we protect the kingdom of God? Which is, this declaration is saying that the earth, this world, this place will now be the kingdom of God. Furthermore, one of the things I, I see from this passage is a choir. That what you need to understand about the earth and what you need to understand about the kingdom of God is that it is a choir, not a solo. Right? So it said, a crescendo of voices in heaven sang out. It continues, it, it says, uh, the, the elders fell to their knees, worshipped and sang. Right? But it's not just a song with all of us in it. At the end, it says, 
that when the Ark of the Covenant was clearly seen, it was surrounded by flashes of lightning, loud shouts, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a fierce hailstorm. So literally all of heaven and all of earth, people, things, rocks, uh, lightning, everything is singing, finally, we're free. Everything is singing, finally, we're free. In Romans, we learn that all creation was groaning. And so what we know about this this, this choir is that it's not, it's not just you. It's, it's not just me. It's not even just us. All of creation is a part of this choir. All of creation is a part of this song. And we need that because sometimes you and I stop singing. Sometimes you and I sing out of tune. And if we would just listen to creation, if we would just listen to the rivers, if we would just listen to the mountains, we would catch that song again. And we would start singing together in that choir. Um, years ago, I worked at Comcast, which if that's not a metaphor for the empire, I don't know what is. Um, and it was a stressful job. I worked at a call center, a lot of problems, a lot of complaints, a lot of issues, a lot of people, a lot of conflict, a lot of stress. And during my breaks, we were right next to the Mississippi. And I would, I would put my headphones on and I would, I would go near the waters. And there was this beautiful place where I could actually see where I worked, where I went to school, the church I was a part of, and the city that I lived in at that time. And it felt, that place felt holy. That place felt sacred. And I came to that place disconnected, disconnected from my emotions, from my body, from myself. And then I would hear the river. I would see the river. I would, uh, the Mississippi would sing over me. And I don't, I don't speak Mississippi, but it felt like the Mississippi would tell me that it's going to be okay. The Mississippi would tell me that it's, it, life goes on and the thing that is worrying you right now, you won't remember in a week. And the Mississippi would tell me you're, you're not alone. And the Mississippi would tell me you are a part of something bigger than Comcast. And the Mississippi would tell me that I was enough, you know? The, the, the song that, that, that God is singing is a part of a, is, is with a choir of all creation. You're not the only one singing. I'm not the only one singing. And there will be moments where you stop singing and there will be moments where you sing out of tune. But if you would just listen to the earth, if you would just listen to the rivers, if you would just listen to, to the land, if you would just listen to the air, if you would just listen to the trees, you would start singing again. Because the kingdom of God is a choir, not a solo. And this thing that you're a part of the earth is not just about you. And that's a beautiful thing.